This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey folks, this is the Lakers Legacy Podcast, and we are proud to announce a partnership collaboration with a brand new podcast app. If you're looking for a new way to listen to podcasts that's a lot more interactive and fun, well, look no further than the Cooler Podcast Player on the Apple Store. The app that makes sure you never miss the hottest sports talk by the cooler with like-minded fans and listeners of the same community. So download the Cooler Podcast Player on the Apple Store, search for your favorite podcast, specifically look up the Lakers Legacy Podcast, we are up there right now, subscribe to our Cooler page, click on one of our episodes, listen away, and then join the conversation by commenting away down below on each episode. Add some emojis, like the cringe emoji, because I know that I can be quite cringe. Ask us questions about specific points we made throughout a specific episode. The Cooler Podcast Player is essentially like Reddit, but curated and consolidated per podcast community so that you can join the conversation in a safer, more intimate, and less trolly space than other apps like X. And you can do so with other like-minded Lakers Legacy Podcast listeners. Also, you're likely to find one of us commenting and replying back to you guys directly within each episode feed in the comments section. So grab a drink, make your way over to the cooler, and join the conversation now by downloading the Cooler Podcast Player app. Make sure to add the Lakers legacy to your queue, and let's keep the debates and discussions going beyond the final sign-offs you hear from us at the end of each episode. The Cooler Podcast Player. Listen, then speak your mind. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where Spencer Dinwiddie, more like it's time to Spencer Dinwiddie. 
because we got him. Spencer Dinwiddle me this, your newest <laughs> Laker, your newest combo guard. He's coming home. He's coming home. Tell the world he's coming home to crypto with his crypto portfolio. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, the Lakers were able to pry Spencer Dinwiddie away from the claws of Shark Tank billionaire Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks as Rob Palenka put on the full-court press on Spencer Dinwiddie as he was at the game on Friday night versus the New Orleans Pelicans when the Lakers dropped 87 points in the first half and D'Angelo Russell was going off again. Spencer Dinwiddie was in the stands Rob Palenka whining and dining him and eventually closing the deal. D'Angelo Russell pretty much broke the news in his post-game presser saying, y'all will get to know Spencer Dinwiddie soon. And by Saturday morning, Spencer Dinwiddie was a Laker. Christian Wood would like to take all the credit for recruiting the man. So Tommy, simple question. Are you excited about the Lakers acquisition of Spencer Dinwiddie? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> you are great. Good to hear. Um, but you know, he's this is pretty much like the best 15 man signing that we could have hoped for when we kept this roster spot open. You look back at the previous years of who we were able to like get with this last roster spot. Obviously, Markeith Morris, Andre Drummond. But then it's been guys who you feel like you could have signed them for the minimum if they were available in the summer anyway. Spencer Dinwiddie is not a minimum player. He's like a legitimately a pretty good player. Fair marketplace, at least a 10 to $14 million player in this league. Yes, yes, he is. He's at least a mid-level exception, full mid-level exception type player. And the Lakers just got him for $1.5 million. The small amount of the mid-level exception that they saved for the buyout market in the Gabe Vincent signing during the offseason. And something that we have to give Rob Palinka credit for. I know it's not in vogue to give Rob Palinka credit these days, especially after yeah. he did quote-unquote nothing during the trade deadline. But this was... Smart foresight by Rob Palenka in the offseason to actually save a portion of his mid-level exception so that he could make the buyout money that he'd have for this time of the year more attractive. Now, people are saying, oh, he could not have anticipated Spencer Dinwiddie being available on the market. You're right, he couldn't have. The whole point, though, is regardless of who was going to be available on the market, Rob Palenka and the Lakers positioned themselves well to have a good shot at getting some of the best buyout market players who would be available, whether it was Spencer Dinwiddie or whoever else. Lakers are lucky that it was Spencer Dinwiddie, but guess what? They were in the position to take advantage of this Spencer Dinwiddie stroke of luck because they saved that money, had $1.5 million to give Spencer Dinwiddie instead of the prorated minimum for the rest of the year, And now Spencer Dinwiddie gets to come home, but also get a little bit of spare change on his pocket, more than he would have gotten elsewhere. And for the Lakers, the talent play just made too much sense. Like you said, Tommy, this isn't a minimum player. This isn't just some end-of-the-bench role player. This isn't a washed-up vet. This isn't even Christian Wood, a a talented stat-stuffer who's moved around a lot of teams and just can't seem to find the right fit. Spencer Dinwiddie, save for the current Save for this current season with the Nets, where the vibes have just been all off, Spencer Dinwiddie has been a very valuable contributing role player and piece on every team that he's been on. And again, the Lakers essentially just got him for free with no assets going out. 
And if Spencer hadn't been bought out, he's a player that teams would have been interested in trading a couple seconds for, a player that I believe teams actually inquired about. And actually, he's a player the Lakers were rumored to be looking to trade for in a package along with Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal for D'Angelo Russell and the 2029 first. Now, that deal wouldn't have been great, especially if you're swapping D'Lo for Spencer. But guess what? Now we get to have the both of them. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about Spencer Dinwiddie, Tommy, the former Taft High School product Former Laker champion and UCLA basketball player Jordan Farmer also went to Taft High School. Spencer's now able to come home. He gets to reunite with his Brooklyn Nets homie D'Angelo Russell, gets to reunite with his former Wizards teammate Rui Hachimura, and also gets to reunite with his former Mavs teammate Christian Wood, who again would like to take credit for closing the deal on recruiting Spencer. So yeah, now the Lakers get to add a very talented combo guard who's 6'5 with good size who can if you need him to start in a pinch close some games in a pinch they get to add him to their crop of skilled guards and austin reeves and d'angelo russell gabe vincent we're not sure if he's gonna come back this season or if he comes back whether he'll be healthy but if you add gabe vincent to the mix now you've got four guards who can essentially start for different teams essentially close on different nights and that is a great luxury to have to have such a deep stable of skilled guards and spencer obviously brings a little bit of a different dynamic than any of the guards we currently have it's funny because he's almost like okay i want to watch my words a little bit carefully here but Lakers fans were so goddamn thirsty for DeJounte Murray this trade deadline. DeJounte Murray this, DeJounte Murray that, trade d and whoever else for him, trade Austin Reeves for him. Now, I'm not saying we got DeJounte Murray, but what I am saying is some of the skill sets that Lakers fans were thirsting over from DeJounte Murray, his ability to attack downhill, ability to get free throws, ability to be a more dynamic, speedy, athletic player, some of those qualities... Spencer Dinwiddie actually has. And he's like two inches taller than DeJounte Murray. Not as explosive, obviously, as a DeJounte Murray, but he is a good blend of craftiness and athleticism with that relentlessness to drive to the basket. So it's kind of like if you play the mental gymnastics enough, it's like we get to see what DeJounte Murray would have looked like on the Lakers in a very pared-down sense. But we get to do so without having to have shipped out D'Angelo Russell or Austin Reeves. So we actually get to see, in a very poor man's way, what DeJounte Murray would have looked like next to not only Austin Reeves, but also next to D'Angelo Russell, and in Darvin Ham's system, next to both of them, because you know he's going to play that vaunted three-guard lineup of Spencer Dinwiddie, D'Angelo Russell, and Austin Reeves. But but for me, I just want to continue to hammer home that point of him being able to draw free throws because on his career, Spencer Dinwiddie averages four free throw attempts per game in his career. Dennis Schroeder only averages three in his career. So if you're asking Spencer Dinwiddie to take over that Schroeder role, you're already at a huge advantage with regards to if you were missing Dennis Schroeder's ability to attack the paint, draw fouls, put pressure on the rim, guess what? Spencer Dinwiddie actually does that better than Schroeder. And looking at this year's Lakers, Outside of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the player who draws the most fouls and free throw attempts is who? Who would you guess, Tommy? Austin Reeves. 
Yes, it's Austin Reeves, and Austin Reeves averages 3.6 free throw attempts this season. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie, on average, I don't want to count this year because he's been kind of out of it with the Brooklyn Nets, but on average, Spencer Dinwiddie is averaging 4.7 free throw attempts, 3.9 free throw attempts, 4.2 free throw attempts. So on any normal year for Spencer Dinwiddie on a competitive team, he's averaging even more free throw attempts than Austin Reeves, and again, better than Dennis Schroeder in that respect. So those are the tangible ways that I see him helping this team out immediately, And I think something that you didn't touch upon last episode, Tommy, was he's been an inconsistent three-point shooter, but last year in Dallas, he actually made 2.6 threes a game and shot 40% from three. That seems like the outlier in his career, but that was over a span of 53 games. And hitting 2.6 threes, I believe that's what D'Angelo Russell hits on the year, you know? So that is a great volume to hit. And even the year before that, in 2021, 2022, He hit 1.83s and also shot 40%. Now, his career averages still say he's a 33% shooter because he likes to take a lot of pull-up three-point shots. But if you can eliminate that, more of that from his diet and have him strictly be a catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, I think you get closer to a 1.83s made per game, 36% three-point shooter. And that's kind of all the Lakers need given the fact that he can handle the ball. He's actually a pretty decent rebounder as well. But again, what you're getting out of Spencer Dinwiddie is a competent floor general who can actually attack the paint and who's sturdy and strong. But yeah, talk to me a little bit more about Spencer Dinwiddie because this guy with his broad shoulders, his sturdy frame, he's actually surprisingly very athletic. And if you give him a little bit of space off of a screen, he can really take it to the rack and do damage on the rim. He's probably the most athletic guard the Lakers have had on this roster since Lonnie Walker last year. But yeah, talk to me a little bit more about Spencer Dinwiddie. The secondary playmaking off the bench has been a problem all season without Gabe Vincent available. So, you know, obviously we start LeBron, D'Lo, Austin, who are our three best playmakers. So if Spencer can come off the bench and give us some secondary playmaking and scoring with that, with those groups, it, it just, it would be phenomenal. Austin, Austin has had a good season. His play tapers significantly when he is fatigued. And I don't know if it's a matter of he's not in shape <laughs> enough for like, the, you know, playing the 35 minutes or whatever we've been trying to play him this season or or what it is. But getting Spencer just even for those rest minutes, I think is going to be very helpful. And he's had seasons where he's been like over four to one assisted turnover ratio. As a secondary playmaker on a LeBron James team, especially off the bench for this team, that's incredible. And that's exactly what we need. He actually ranks like by offensive metrics very, very well in terms of his efficiency. And he makes up for some of his inefficiency with his shot selection by getting to the free throw line. He gets to the line very well and hits 80% on his career. He's had seasons of five, six, even seven free throw attempts per game. And if you look at his catch and shoot numbers, like as a catch and shoot three point shooter, he's like over 40%. He's well below league average as an off-the-dribble three-point shooter. And unfortunately, he ends up taking a lot of off-the-dribble three-point shots. And I'm curious to see, too, if he's able to sort of rein it in. It's like it's all a balance, right? You kind of want him to continue being the same guy he's always been because that's why you brought him in. And you hope that he just, like, has the spatial awareness himself to know that, like, okay, he's playing with LeBron and AD and these other guys who are, like, scoring. So, like... Maybe I can try to do other things. I don't know if that's if that's what he's going to do, but that's like best case scenario. Yeah. In a lot of ways, 
and maybe fans don't want to hear this, but Spencer Dinwiddie is the new Dennis Schroeder. He is not as good defensively as Dennis Schroeder. He's not as fast as Dennis Schroeder. But he is a taller, bigger, more sturdier player than Dennis Schroeder. He has the same foul-baiting, foul-drawing ability as Dennis Schroeder. And in some ways, here's how I describe Spencer Dinwiddie, Tommy. Spencer Dinwiddie is like Dennis Schroeder morphing more into Malcolm Brogdon. He is slower and more methodical than Dennis Schroeder, but again, with the same foul-baiting tendencies. But he's definitely more faster and more dynamic than Malcolm Brogdon, while having some of Malcolm Brogdon's steadiness to his game. I think the one thing that I like about Spencer Dinwiddie, have you ever actually listened to his interviews and whatnot? He's kind of one of these, like, pseudo-intellectuals. I don't know. He's very articulate. He he reminds me of like another version of Kyrie Irving in some respects. He's very funny, very self-aware. Now we all know the talks about his beef with Kuzma and Kuzma calling him Din Shitty, which is pretty hilarious. But he is a very smart guy and a very self-aware guy. And what I like about Spencer Dinwiddie is he's not an entitled point guard. He actually has experience playing off of the bench. I think his best season, or when he was first coming up, he was actually playing off the bench in Brooklyn behind D'Angelo Russell during D'Angelo Russell's first All-Star season. And so those he he knows what it's like to play off the bench, and he even played off the bench with the Mavericks when Jalen Brunson was the starter, you know, and when obviously Kyrie Irving was the starter last season. So he's used to coming off the bench and being that sort of spark plug, and so I hope he can yeah. continue to be that for the Lakers. And and yeah, he's, he's a Kobe guy through and through. I believe when he was on the Nets, he was wearing number eight and after Kobe's passing, he specifically retired that number eight jersey number in honor of Kobe and took on, I think he's wearing number 26 now. So he's an LA guy, Mamba mentality Kobe guy. And again, I, I think unlike Dennis Schroeder, who seems to always want a starting role every stop <laughs> he goes to, uh, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a little bit more self-aware and understanding of the situation that he's in and is willing to accept and embrace this role, a role that he has had on multiple stops, even as recently as last year with the Dallas Mavericks. So something to something positive to keep in mind. Now, why don't we take it to break? When we return, let's talk about the rest of the team, the final version of this team that the Lakers have currently constructed, whether we feel like any additional changes need to be made. Do they need to sign another buyout guy? We'll talk about how we view this roster moving forward as it's pretty much set at this point what we want to see in terms of rotations minutes from this team and what we think this team's identity will look like now with Spencer Dinwiddie in fold for this second half run and push that the Lakers are going to try and enact so so we'll take it to break here and then we'll catch you guys after the turn the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so we are back. Really quickly, before we get into the, uh, before we get into talk about the entire roster as a whole, I just wanted to really quickly touch upon Spencer Dinwiddie's playoff heroics. Now, Spencer Dinwiddie has had some really big playoff games. Everybody's talking about his 30-point game against the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference semifinals. He's had some pretty big game winners pretty big buzzer beaters for the Dallas Mavericks. It's clear that this guy does not shy away from the moment. He doesn't shy away from the bright lights and the big stage. He has performed well in certain playoff games. The only thing I'll say is I don't think we should overrate Spencer Dinwiddie as a quote-unquote tried-and-true playoff player because I feel like that's where the fans and the narrative are starting to go and I don't think that's necessarily true. I think relative to Spencer Dinwiddie being a bench guard, he has definitely performed well in the playoffs in that respect. I just wouldn't overrate him as a tried-and-true playoff-tested performer while also looking at someone like D'Angelo Russell and viewing D'Angelo Russell as someone who can't be counted on. D'Angelo Russell has also had his fair share of huge playoff games for the Lakers last season. He had that 31-point game against the Memphis Grizzlies to close the Grizzlies out. He had that game four against the Memphis Grizzlies when he hit three straight threes in the fourth quarter with under five minutes left in the game when the Lakers were down by nine points to really help the Lakers win that game. He had that pretty much game-winning field goal shot in game one versus the Golden State Warriors when the Lakers' offense was stuck in the mud. So all this to say that to view Spencer Dinwiddie as some tried-and-true playoff player, and then on the same side of the token, view D'Angelo Russell as someone who's beneath Spencer Dinwiddie in terms of playoff reliability. I just wouldn't lean into that narrative, is what I'm saying. Now, what Spencer does do, though, is he makes sure that we're able to increase our playoff-tested guard buffer, so that if D'Angelo stalls out again in the playoffs like he did in the Western Conference Finals, well, there's Spencer Dinwiddie insurance. If Austin Reeves hits a wall, hits a sophomore slump wall in the playoffs, well, there's Spencer Dinwiddie to hopefully take some of the burden. By adding another starting level type point guard to our crop of already skilled guards, we lessen the chances that the bottom completely falls out from that position in the playoffs. Yeah. And then hopefully we also have Gabe Vincent in here as well. So so yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Spencer Dinwiddie, he is a playoff gamer. D'Angelo Russell is also a playoff gamer, but they both have had their very inconsistent moments in the playoffs is what I'm trying to say. If you look at Spencer Dinwiddie's game logs, they are as inconsistent, if not more inconsistent than D'Angelo Russell. He'll get you 30 points one night and then two points the next night, eight points, five points, et cetera, et cetera. So the good news is we have enough skilled combo guards in Austin Reeves, Gabe Vincent, and D'Angelo Russell that we should hopefully be able to hold up in the playoffs if one one or two of them are don't necessarily have it going on a particular night. 
And also, just wanted to throw this out there, but the D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie combo, who have played together before and worked quite well on the Brooklyn Nets, that combo may actually be better than the skill guards combo of Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell. So something to yeah. look out for and, and monitor the uh, the double D's over the skill billies. So we'll <laughs> see. Meanwhile, Darvin Ham is probably like, why not all three? Okay, so let's talk about this Lakers roster as a whole. Now, given the fact, Tommy, that this is the squad that we have left, this is we we know who we're now going to war with. What are some tangible things that you want to see specifically from this team moving forward if you were Darvin Ham, if you were the coach? Like what are some things that you've seen that have worked out recently? What are some things that even when guys like Cam Reddish and hopefully Gabe Vincent and Jared Vanderbilt, even when those guys come back, you want to continue to see moving forward? Have you gotten a better sense of this team's identity? The last time we covered a game, Torian Prince was still starting, and obviously that was a big shift before the trade deadline of Darvin Ham actually bringing Torian Prince off the bench. And lo and behold, Tommy, Torian Prince actually plays better off the bench. Who would have thunk it, you know? Like, he has more energy in constrained periods of time. I wish somebody had thought about that, exactly. And even though Rui Hachimura has been a little bit up and down in the starting lineup, I think he just slots everyone in the roster better. And obviously the last game, he was incredible. Nine for 13, like 22 points. Uh, He showed off Rui Hachimura at his most optimal extent. But I feel like it just slots everybody better to have a big man. Even if it's not Rui, if you want to put Christian Wood there or even Jackson Hayes, I think for me, it's starting to become clearer and clearer that given the fact that we have these two skill guards who are unathletic, not super speedy and physical, The solve is always go bigger, go stronger, go faster, have that athletic infusion. Even though Christian Wood isn't athletic, he makes up for his unathleticism with his like length, you know? And so whether it's Rui Hachimura, Christian Wood, or Jackson Hayes, I think for me at least, the Lakers should continue to go big. Use those big lineups. I think we've seen, you know, against the Denver Nuggets, we had that Skylar Mays, like Jackson Hayes, Christian Wood, LeBron James, Rui Hachimura lineup. I think it was like one skill guard surrounded by all forwards, right? Not saying you need to play those types of units for even 20 minutes a game, but I think the more we can mix and match skill guards plus length, strength, and physicality, the more we should continue to do that. Um, But yeah, do you have any thoughts, other thoughts of of how you would like to see this team sort of approach rotations and and, uh, what you think this team's identity should be moving forward? The identity for this group always has to fall back on defense. I think like in the recent stretch, you know, pre-deadline where they looked a little bit better than they looked, you know, end of January, early February. And my my view is that the team has looked a lot better than they looked end of December, early January. I think most people would probably agree. And I think part of that has been, you know, defensive intensity and limiting turnovers. Um in the Celtics and Knicks games, uh, you know, on the road, uh, the six game road trip or whatever, 
I think we had seven and five turnovers in those two games respectively. So, you know, among the lowest of our season so far, even the Nuggets game where, yeah, they were missing KCP. We were down like a ton of role players in that game. Right. And even Max, who got injured during the game, we turned the ball over seven times in that entire game. So those types of things have been the recipe for success with this group and you know, not every team is going to execute offensively as well as the as well as the Denver Nuggets do. So if we can just like commit to like coming in every single night and playing with that high level of energy um, and intensity on the defensive end, I like our chances, I think, going into the rest of the season. And I th- and I think the way that Spencer fits into this is he gives a like we are going to be playing a lot of guys who are more defensive minded. Torian Prince comes off the bench for us. Jackson Hayes with his like recent energy boost is like it's not that he's like a elite defender, but, but right now he's more of a like energy hustle like defensive guy than he is an offensive guy, right? We're bringing in a bunch of guys. Like Gabe Vincent when he's healthy is going to be coming off the uh, coming off the bench. Rui Hachimura, even, you know, between him and Vando, whoever's coming off the bench, like, yeah, Rui's like a better offensive player than Vando, but neither of these guys are like, give them the ball and let them go get their own shot um, type of guys. Spencer is that type of guy, right? So in these lineups that are going to be so much more heavily focused on defense, it's nice to be able to have a bigger combo guard who you can throw out there as like, somebody who can give you something offensively. And that's what we've been missing for most of this season. Yeah. Spencer is a great sort of glue guy who ties everything together. Now there was a point in time when, you know, the, the trade deadline just ended and we were looking at buyout guys where outside of the Lakers open roster spot, we were talking about, Oh, maybe they should open up two roster spots and sign another buyout guy because the buyout market seems kind of deep. Are you still in that line of thinking of maybe cutting an additional guy? And the the guys we're looking at are are very few and far between. It's either Cam Reddish, Christian Wood, or Jackson Hayes. And I think you were maybe thinking, oh, maybe we should just cut Jackson Hayes for like a Robin Lopez or a Bismack Biombo. Are you still in that line of thinking or have you come around on action Jackson? Because it wasn't just the Celtics game where he was a difference maker and a game changer. I understand that Jackson Hayes has some mobility problems. He's very awkward and clumsy and his IQ isn't always necessarily there. But in terms of what this team needs, a shot in the leg, a shot in the arm of energy, athleticism, you saw him chase down, I forgot who it was in the Nuggets game, chase down like Jamal Murray for for a layup. He's been saving possessions with offensive rebounds. It doesn't look pretty. It looks quite messy and abstract. But Jackson Hayes is getting it done for a team that too often I feel like is too finesse and skill for its own liking. But they can tap into that more physical athletic side. They often just need one of those Energizer motor bunnies to get them started. You know, previously that was Jared Vanderbilt, but in his absence. You really only have Rui, and sometimes Rui can settle into that skill, finesse sort of mindset and just take mid-range jump shots, you know? And so so to have a guy like Jackson Hayes who, every time you throw him out on the court, Tommy, he's going 120% for better or for worse, you know? And so for me, I, I'm, yeah, where are you, where do you stand on Jackson Hayes? I don't think we can cut him. If you want to sign another big man, 
yeah, I think we're good is yeah. what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I, I still I think mean, we need Christian Wood's versatility. So your thoughts on Jack? No, exactly. I think you're hitting the nail on the head, right? And I think this is the exercise, by the way, that a lot of fans don't do is look at our... It's like kind of the same thing as the All-Star Game exercise when everybody talks about the snubs. Tell me who on this roster should be cut and who you would rather have over them at this stage of the season, at this stage of everyone's respective career, who is going to be so much of an upgrade that it's worth like doubling, effectively doubling someone's salary because we're going to have to cut a guy, pay him the rest of the year, and then sign another guy for the same amount of money, right? So when you look at the list, it's just like a lot of things don't seem to make sense. When I was talking about Hayes, I was like, yeah, if they, because Hayes obviously has been in and out of the lineup. When he's been in the lineup, it's been low minutes. Um, in the, you know, flashes that we had seen, you know, prior to this kind of recent emergence at end of January, uh, early February here for him, like in those flashes, he looked like a borderline, like not playable NBA player, right? Like you cut this guy, he might not be even in the league. With more opportunity, he's looked quite a bit better. When you look down the list, it's like you could say, like, trade him with a second round pick to dump the salary. You know, that might have been an option. And then pick pick up a guy like Robin Lopez. But to your point, it's like, is that necessarily better? It's different. It doesn't necessarily mean it's better. And when you start looking down the line again, it's like Christian Wood, for all his flaws, are you going to find another 6'10 guy who you know, can give you a little bit defensively who knows your system has been on the team for 50 games and can occasionally hit a three. Like, I don't think so. And and I think this is all kind of, you know, to Rob's point in these quotes that have like upset people, like we should be happy with the group that we have should technically be enough, right? Like this is like, you're not getting better than this. Like as much as I think Cam Reddish is one of the worst players in the NBA, he's a really good defender. And if you cut him, it's going to be hard to find that elite of a perimeter defender at this stage who can come in 50 games into the season with no idea what you're running on either end of the floor and, and be able to figure it out. And that's as someone who's, you know, again, like if you've listened, you know how I feel about Cam Reddish. I'm not super high on his game at all. And even I can acknowledge that like that, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I think the the group is what it is. And, and I think we have enough. It's just how these guys are utilized and how the pieces all fit together. Now, have you opened your mind up enough, Tommy, to one day, Starting Jackson Hayes next to Anthony Davis. No. Because I think we're at the point where Rui Hachimura, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, Rui's sort of a stand-in and a proxy for insert forward here. Jackson Hayes isn't necessarily a forward, but we saw lineups where, no, I think we saw Jackson Hayes, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Rui Hachimura at some point out there against the Nuggets where I was like, wait, is Jackson Hayes the three? Who is the three right now, you know? And I think it's just... I kind of like it. It's kind of weird. It's kind of off the beaten path, but like just having physicality and strength and activity. And we've seen even Christian Wood, both Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes move their feet well on the perimeter and actually be impediments to these dumbass mid-range jump shooting mavens like Jamal Murray. Once they get their long arms up there, all of a sudden Jamal Murray is missing these shots. You know, even if Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes can't stick with the foot speed. They're still so long that when they contest, these shooters can't get off a clean shot. And so whether it's not, let's say it's not Rui Hachimura anymore. What are your thoughts on a Christian Wood starting or a Jackson Hayes starting? Because 
uh, my mind is more open to it just because if it's not Rui Hachimura, then you just need another forward who will bring energy and help sort of uplift the skill guards. So I, and I think for that reason, I don't see Christian Wood working. I think Jackson has a chance to work. And, and you know, I think with the four guys, meaning AR, D'Lo, and, and the big two, right? Like, the fifth guy, if you look at all the numbers, if you look at, you know, just watching the games, the eye test, like, the fifth guy has to have foot speed. LeBron is 100 years old. Anthony Davis is a center. Um, Austin Reeves is not a, a straight line, you know, fast running guy. D'Angelo Russell is obviously not that, right? Like, his whole game is, like, he's kind of a, a more methodical, like, you know, slower-moving player. The reason the Vanderbilt lineups work is because Vanderbilt is extremely, extremely fast, and he can guard uh, opposing point guards. Rui can't guard opposing point guards, but he's extremely, extremely fast, and he adds some speed and athleticism to the lineup. Jackson brings those things, too, and it gives a little bit different of a look compared to Rui, where you kind of put AD back in the position he was in in 2019-20, right? So I am kind of into giving that a look it's like crazy right we're 52 plus games into the season like how was this not like we didn't give this a look one time like in the preseason like maybe we did once in the preseason but like certainly during the season we have not right so these were the things that we should have been experimenting with this whole time but that's another topic but but um you know I, i i think that could work and i think you know, anything makes makes more sense than playing, you know, your your fifth guy can't be Torian Prince. Uh, your fifth guy can't be Christian Wood. Your fifth guy, necessarily, your fifth guy can't be a, a slow, a slow guy. It has to, we need speed and athleticism yeah. at that fifth spot. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, that will do it for this episode. Our Welcome Back to Los Angeles, Spencer Dinwiddie is a Laker episode. The Lakers have two games to close out this week before we head into All-Star Weekend and All-Star Break, a much-needed All-Star Break after such craziness over the last few weeks uh, in Lakers land. We now know who is on this team. We now know the group of guys we have, and it looks a lot like the same group of guys we had to start the season. Just add Spencer Dinwiddie. Again, the Lakers are 28-26, and 26, having won four out of their last five games. D'Angelo Russell is still on a heater. The new Rui A.R. D'Lo starting lineup is now 4-0 on the season. They've rattled off three straight most recently in the games that D'Lo has played. And now Spencer Dinwiddie joins the clan, hoping to help ride and amplify the wave of momentum that the Lakers have been experiencing recently. So with that said, we will catch you guys after the All-Star break. Maybe I'll have another episode on how Spencer Dinwiddie's first few Laker debut games have gone, but... More realistically, we're going to take this time off to rest, recharge, and yeah, get ready as well for this Lakers second half push that we're all looking forward to with this great group of guys. So with that said, everybody, have a great week. Have a great All-Star weekend. If you are a Chiefs fan and a Taylor Swift fan, congratulations on the Super Bowl win. But yeah, we'll catch you guys in a week. Tommy, see you later. Peace. Peace.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.